Good morning. Um, for our scripture reading today, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke, uh, starting in chapter 1, from verses 26 to 45. So as the kids are leaving, I'll give you a second to flip through your Bible, but if you want to just listen along, that's fine too. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The word of the Lord. Thank you, John, for that. So if you've got your Bibles, please keep your finger in the book of Luke. And we're going to continue on. Last week, we looked at Zechariah and the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And we saw that he burst out in song when his little baby boy was going to be born, John the Baptist. And six, uh, or when, you know, six, yes, six months later, after Gabriel appears to Zechariah, he appears to Mary, and he's no longer visiting a shocked Zechariah anymore, but he's visiting a young virgin called Mary. And Mary, it says in here, that was in Nazareth in the sixth month, in verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the town of Galilee. Now, Nazareth, 
I don't know if it was that clicky doofer. Um, Nazareth is in the top corner. Brad, have we got that little laser majig? Thanks, buddy. Because everyone's saying, that's fine, but I don't know where you're pointing. And so let's make sure you know exactly where I'm pointing. Okay, thanks, Brad. There's Nazareth. There's Nazareth there. And it's just near the, the Sea of Galilee. Thank you, Brad. And this little Nazareth, this town in Nazareth, is a really unimportant town. And it probably only numbered about one or 200 people living there. And the town of Nazareth was just a little work town, if I'm honest, a place where people lived. There was nothing there. It's not mentioned in the Old Testament. In fact, it, pro- it was probably just a new settlement. And the real important place is the one next to it. This one, yeah. Sepphoris. That was where probably an important town that the Romans were building, a trade route where all the money was, that's where the wealth was. And the poor workers probably moved over across the hill to Nazareth. So it's a kind of nothing sort of town. And it's an unimportant town. And a, a young lady, unimportant young lady, uh, waiting to be married. She's betrothed to Joseph, which means that although she's not technically married, she's legally uh, bound to her husband. So the angel Gabriel appears to this young girl, Mary, uh, in this unimportant town of Nazareth. And she, Gabriel says to her, the angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This girl, I think, is a wonderful example of a servant of the Lord in that she shows great humility. And we're going to look at that this morning. You see, Jesus did not choose an earthly queen for his mom, not a wealthy woman, not a great scholar or artist, or even the wife of a great scholar or artist. She was no politician or stateswoman, but she will become the single most famous and influential woman in the, in the history of the world. She was almost certainly illiterate, uneducated, very young. No doubt she was anxious, poor, at this time unimportant, ignored. And yet the angel Gabriel comes and says, you who are highly favored. You may know these words as Mary full of grace, perhaps. The angel is saying, Mary, you are full of God's grace. You are favored by God. You see how different the description is from the world's description of those who are highly favored. In your mind, who do you think is highly favored? Who do you value highly in life today? Perhaps somebody with a lot of money. Perhaps somebody with a lot of success to their name. Someone who's perhaps popular at school or university. Perhaps the the captain of the football team. Someone who finds school easy. You know those kids who go to school and they do an exam and they're like, oh, so hard. But you know they're going to get an A plus, right? 
people who just kind of just breeze through life. Are they one of the favored ones in God's eyes, in our eyes? You see, in the Bible, God comes to the poor, the unimportant, the uneducated teenager, and he says to Mary, you who are highly favored by God. You're not favored by what you have done, or you're not favored by what you have. You're not favored in the things that you've accomplished. You are favored in what you will be. You will be God's chosen one for God's chosen work. Mary was valued, but it made me think as well, do you know what? Today, we are valued in God's eyes as well. And that really gives me a lot of encouragement that whatever I go through in life, I don't need the esteem and the acknowledgement of other people, of man. Because I know that I am valued in God's eyes. Who am I? I'm just some unimportant guy from a, the city of Sunderland in England. What of it? And yet God values me. He values you. And if there's anything I want you to take away from this morning's message is this, that God values you. You were made in his image and he loves you. And if you love Jesus Christ, there's something better. You are a child of God, it says. You belong to his family. You are valued. I don't know how you're feeling this morning. Do you feel valued? Do you feel loved? Let me encourage you. God loves you. God values you. Whatever is going on in our lives, God values you. So find your identity in Jesus Christ. Find your worth, your value in him, and you won't go wrong. I promise you. No matter what anybody says to you, you will always be loved and valued by God as a, as a son and daughter of God. But then the second thing it made me realize is, do you know what? Mary would have been this woman who would have been ignored. You would have walked past her in the street, just some young teenage girl. And it made me think, do you know what? I need to make sure that I value other people as well, just as much as God values other people. In James, James chapter 2, verses 3 to 8, James 2 tells us, it says, James gives the church a warning. It says, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here, there's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you should stand or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that he has promised those who love him? Sounds very much like Mary, doesn't it? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are you not the ones who are dragging you into the court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him who belonged to you? <clears throat> but, verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, the royal law, if you keep the royal law, love your neighbors yourself, you are doing right. Do we keep the royal law in our lives? Do we keep the royal law as a church? 
If someone rich and famous came, I don't know, Taylor Swift, her name gets mentioned a lot, right? If she came to the door right now, what would we do? We would roll up the red carpet. You know, we would have uh, the band playing for her, whatever, I don't know. But someone comes in for food in the middle of the week. Do we show that same treatment to that person as we would the King of England or someone who in the world's eyes are valued? Do we value everybody the same? The royal Lord, James is saying, value everybody. God values Mary here. The angel Gabriel tells Mary that you're valued and you're going to have a baby, a little baby Jesus. Verse 31, it says in here, you will give birth to a child and give um, to a son and you will give him the name Jesus and he will be great and will be called son of the most high. There's two names that he's been given, Jesus, which is uh, a Greek derivative of the Hebrew uh, Joshua, Joshua, Which means the Lord saves. You see, Joshua in the Old Testament, he was called to save and lead the people into the promised land. And today, Jesus Christ, well, he saves us into something way better than the promised land. He saves us into an eternity with God the Father. That's what Jesus is there. He saves. Jesus is here to save. And Mary says to Gabriel, well, how is this to be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. It's not wrong to ask God the questions. Just because you ask God a question about something that life is happening, doesn't mean that you are lacking faith. It just means that you're exploring faith. Asking God question does not mean that you lack faith. The opposite of faith is not faith. It's okay to ask God questions. Mary asks God questions. And the Holy, and the, Gabriel says, hey, listen, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Your child will be holy, the Son of God. And Mary accepts all of this. Imagine that. What a whirlwind. She accepts it all. It says in verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you said. Then the angel left her. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now, you think, okay, she's just, up she goes and off she went. But no, it's a huge journey. We've got Mary traveling from Nazareth, uh, which is up here, which is up here. And then Mary travels. She probably would have missed Samaria as they did in the day. Went down to the hill country of Judea. It's about 100 miles Mary travels about 100 miles to get to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was her cousin. Uh, she gets to her house. And when she gets there, Mary bursts out in a song. And she says this in the song. My soul glorifies the Lord. Verse 46, if you're following in your Bibles. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. 
He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembered to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever and ever. He has said to our fathers. Mary bursts out in joyful song to God. And I think it's remarkable. She says straight away, my soul glorifies. My soul magnifies. My soul just exalts God for who he is and what he's done and what he will do in my life. They, oh my God, I love that. And my spirit, my innermost thoughts, my innermost being rejoices in God, my Savior. Now today, in 2023, when we sing that song with Mary, I imagine it's going to have a different meaning because we know that Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on that cross. My soul can rejoice in my Savior, Jesus Christ, when I put my trust in Him. If you don't know Him today, put your trust in Jesus. And we can rejoice. Oh, my joy is my Savior. I have life with Christ now and for all eternity. And I think this is remarkable because of what Mary has gone through in life. Life is full of ups and downs. One minute you're on a high, next minute you're, you're going to be going through despair. I think it's remarkable. Mary is pregnant. She's a young mom. And back then they didn't have hospitals, right? And so the, the opportunities of struggling with birth, We've got, we had two pregnant ladies on the stage today, which is remarkable. And they have hospitals to go to. Mary wouldn't have had that. The death rate would have been quite high for children and for parents then. She may have lost her reputation with her family. Imagine that, the stress of, you know, she's, been, she's pregnant out of wedlock. She could lose her reputation with her family. Imagine her, her parents or whoever saying, uh, listen, how would you feel if your teenage daughter came home one day and said, oh, do you know what? I've got some news to tell you. Yikes. How do you respond to that? With love, I hope. But there's a chance that she may be thrown out of the home. Rejected by the village. There's a chance that Mary might be divorced from Joseph or even stoned. That could be happening, right? Her death might be, her life might be in danger even. And how does she respond? She responds by worshiping God. This good news is so awesome. I love God so much. She expresses the depth of her gratitude and thankfulness. And this song just radiates with the core of her being. How do we respond in life when we go through highs or lows? It's easy to celebrate and worship God in the high moments. We had a, a, a staff and elders Christmas party on Friday night, and it was a great party. We loved it, and I left, and I was all excited, and life was good. And then yesterday, I, I was playing soccer last night, and I, I was running alongside a, a guy, and I, uh, I don't know what happened. I tripped over. I, I, I bumbled into him. I'm old. I'm clumsy now. And I, I hurt the guy. You know, he, he falls over and I, I, he had to get carried off the pitch, right? And it just, it 
crushes you. you think, oh, I've hurt this guy, right? And it just, it just feels horrible. Life is full of ups and downs. But how do we respond and worship God in the high and the low moments of our lives? Mary, I think, is in a low moment of her life. It would seem. And yet, nevertheless, she worships God with the core of who she is. And I think Mary's able to do this for three reasons. One, I think Mary showed a huge degree of humility. Mary and Elizabeth are women here who are humble. Luke wants to demonstrate to Theophilus, the guy who Luke is writing to, about humility. And he says that Elizabeth, when Mary comes into the house, Mary, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is your child that you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come? Elizabeth <coughs> demonstrates humility before this young girl. And then Mary says in verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Both these women demonstrate humility. <clears throat> I think it's fantastic. And then Luke is writing to Theophilus, who could be this Roman soldier, Roman general. He's powerful. He's got money. He's got authority. You can have all of the things that we value in the world today as people who's highly valued and highly favored. And Luke doesn't point to any of that. He says, those who are valued by God are those who are humble and come before the Lord in humility. In fact, Luke demonstrates this quite well. Verse 51, we see that there's a role reversal. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud of their inmost thoughts. In verse 51, we see that there's a moral reversal. Sheila, thank you so much. Thank you. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm and scattered those who were proud with his other innermost thoughts. Those innermost pride, God is scattering. There's a moral reversal in verse 51. It's kind of like Luke is saying when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to turn the world upside down. What we value is valuable. Jesus Christ doesn't value that in that way. He values other things. Humility. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. There's a social reversal there. God doesn't value those who are in power and money and riches. And in verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. There's that spiritual reversal. There's an echo. There's a reference to Psalms 107 there in that verse. Mary's quoting a lot of Old Testament, referring to a lot of Old Testament in this song. And she could be, maybe he's referring to Psalm 107, where it talks about the people of God wandering through the wilderness, looking for Hope and looking for a promised future and looking for a new life. But Mary's saying that God will give those who are hungry, those who are searching new life. There's a spiritual revival here. 
in Mary's song. You see, it tells us in Corinthians that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the theme of this whole passage is about humbling ourselves before God. That we're not relying on our own strength or power or might, but to keep humble before the Lord. And in Jesus Christ, we can do this. Jesus was the forerunner of humility. He humbled himself as a man, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus Christ, the author of creation, came down as a human and died on that cross so that we could have life. And this is the message that Luke is communicating to us today. Mary had been chosen among all the women of all time to be the mother of the Messiah. And her song reflects her joy in that. It is clear from Mary's words and from the whole Bible that God does not favor the selfish, the powerful, or the proud, but those who humble themselves before the Lord and accept Jesus will find fulfillment in their lives today. So that's the first thing. Mary was humble. The second thing I think I, I realize in this passage is that Mary loved the word of the God. She continues to quote Old Testament scripture in this song. Now, back then, you know, you wouldn't have had Bibles. We're so blessed to have a Bible in our hands. Mary wouldn't have had a Bible. And if she had a Bible, she wouldn't have been able to read it. So she would have had to memorize the Old Testament. And as such, I think when she sings songs to God, all of a sudden, all of that the memory of the Old Testament just comes forth out of her. And she just starts quoting the Old Testament. And a good, one of the reasons we know this is that there's similarities in the song to the song of Hannah, who was in the same position, who was, who was crying out to God for a baby. And we've got the comparisons here on the slide. You can't see them at all. <clears throat> Tiny. Who did that? It's me. Trust me, there's comparisons there. Mary is just really echoing the same prayer of Hannah to God for the Lord. And there are other examples in this passage where she's just regurgitating Scripture. The Bible isn't just given to us to increase our knowledge but the Bible is given to us so that our lives may be changed. And I want to continue to encourage us today that as we go through life, <clears throat> in order for us to stay humble and on track with the Lord, through the highs and the lows in life, 
whether on the, we're on top of the mountain and we're getting, where everything's going good and the sun is shining or whether we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, keep rooted in the Word of God. Keep memorizing the Word of God. <clears throat> so when we do go through the difficulties in life, we can continue praising God for the things that He's done and the Word is just written on our hearts. Psalm 119, 97, O oh God, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I hope in the new year <clears throat> that we as a church can do the Bible in the year together. And I hope that's something that we're passionate about and we can do together. <clears throat> because the word of God is just so important in our lives today. As society changes, one of the things that never changes is the Bible. And the third thing that I can be encouraged by Mary and the reason why her core, herself, just rejoices in God in these difficult circumstances is because she just continually magnifies God. She expresses the depth of her gratitude and thankfulness. And I just think it's in the core of who she is and her being. How does a soul magnify God? I know my, my mouth can magnify God. I can say God is good. How does a soul magnify God? My hands can magnify God. I can clap when I'm singing. Or I, can, I can do this. You know, we all have different ways of worshiping God, right? You know, you've got the, the heartburn one there. Or, you know, we've got the, you know, you put your hands in the air one or whatever, you know. There's all different types of worship to God. Our hands can magnify God in, in different ways. My voice can magnify God in different ways. How does my soul magnify God? And then she says, my spirit rejoices. How does a spirit rejoice? You may not hear my soul, my spirit rejoicing for God, but God does. He knows our hearts. He knows our attitudes. At this moment, her soul feels the greatness and the holiness and the mercy and the goodness of God. And the feeling is primarily one of joy. My spirit rejoices in God. My very being. <clears throat> She's crying out to her maker, to her God. I love you, God, so very much. Regardless of my circumstances, I will always love you, God because I know that you are true and faithful and you will never leave me. And I am valued in your sight. And that applies to us today. God will always love you. Psalm 69 verse 30, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. We can magnify God by rejoicing in him and we can especially magnify God at Christmas time. How? As I think about Mary and how God used her to bring Jesus into the world, to bring salvation, my soul and my spirit, they too can rejoice with God. Think about it. When we humble ourselves and saturate ourselves in the word and make ourselves available to God, we learn, as Mary did, that with God, nothing is impossible. With God, it was possible for an old, barren woman Elizabeth and her husband to conceive and bear a son, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
With God, it was possible for a virgin girl to give birth to a baby Jesus, who was and is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. With God, sinful people like you and I can find redemption in Jesus Christ and have new life through faith in Him. With God, nothing is impossible. If you're asking the question this morning, how can I have faith, Simon? I, I want your faith. You can have faith. It's there for you. With God, nothing is impossible. If God could use the life of a young peasant girl, he can use any life, including my life, including your life. Why? Because God loves you. He values you. He's given you gifts and you can be used for service. If a little peasant girl can be used for the service of God, so can we. So can I. St. Francis of Assisi said, if God can use me, God can use anyone. God can use your life in his service in Duncan, in Canada, at Cape and Ray, at work, wherever. With God, nothing is impossible. When we think of Christmas, do we rejoice in Jesus Christ? Does our soul and our spirit rejoice in Jesus Christ? And are we allowing God to use us at Christmas time in his service? And I hope that we too, as we ponder the birth of Christ, as we watch the kids play on Christmas Eve morning, as we perhaps join in with the breakfast on December the 16th, that we too can say with Mary, my soul and my spirit rejoice in God, my Savior, for God is good and he always will be and he will always love you and he will always value you. Do you believe that in your hearts? God loves you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there are these wonderful examples of people in the Bible who, when they have an encounter with you, regardless of the circumstances, Lord, they seem to just break out in song and rejoice. They're able just to come before you and cry out in praise because they know, Lord, that you are there for them and you care for them and that you love them. And I thank you today in 2023 that we too can look back at the cross of Christ and we can declare too that through Jesus that we are loved. We are loved by God. We are loved so much that he died on that cross so that we could have life. We could have a relationship with you, Heavenly Father. I just pray, Lord, this Christmas time, that in the hustle and the bustle and all the things that are going on around us, that we just focus on you in all things and that our heart and our soul and our spirit just cry out as well, like Mary did. that we rejoice in God our Savior. We love you, Lord Jesus, because you first loved us.